Now today, Chris Townley's here. Uh, if you don't know Chris, he's our uh, pastor and student ministry director around here, and uh, he gave us a message last week called The Gong Show. He's got a follow-up message around that, so why don't you welcome Chris to the stage, please. All right. Thank you, John. Thank you. Am I on? All right. As you know, we were doing The Gong Show last week, right, and what happened, but my gong didn't come through. So we turned it in to the symbol show, right, last minute. And so here, my, my symbol is back, right, and it's still straight out of 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, that we talked about too. But something happened over this last week. I talked to our drummer, Matt, and he taught me how to make this symbol sound like a gong. All right, so you, you tell me if you think this sounds like a gong. Yeah? All right. All right. See that? So it can be both now. It can be both. Right? But what I want to talk to you about is kind of a continuation of what we talked about last week. And last week we talked about 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. It was the basis of what we were learning. And so I just want to take us back there real quick. You can follow along. It said this in 1 Corinthians 13. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Right, so the, the idea from last week is that without love for others, without a love that is self-sacrificial, we are nothing, right? And the things we do are meaningless. They don't matter, right? I shared the equation that, that life minus love equals zero, right? And without the, the love in that equation, it doesn't matter, right? And if we try and live without that, we just become one of these, right? A clanging symbol at the symbol show. And so I'm, I'm going to build on that, that idea, right, that it's actually pretty challenging, and I'll kind of maybe bring some action steps to that. But I also mentioned last week, right, that I recently returned from Ethiopia, and about two weeks ago now, and I mentioned that I was still processing everything that I learned, saw, and experienced, and I come a week later and tell you that's still true. I'm still trying to process all that I saw, right? We were over there to help build a wall to protect the students of Bright Hope School, right? A slow process, but a very important one. And, and while we were in Ethiopia, we had the amazing gift of having a man named Yosef be our translator, right? So we, we stay at, at this guest home there, the Ethiopia guest home, and they provide us with a translator and, and we had Yosef, who works a lot with groups like ours or adoptive families over there. And I want to share Yosef's story with you this morning because it, it's a continuation of what we talked about last week. And it's what I want to bring us to this week as well. There's multiple instances of love in action within this story. And so here's Yosef's story. Right? We, we met Yosef on our first full day in Ethiopia found out he was going to be our translator. He was going to be with us for the next two weeks, right? He was essentially joining our team. And, and he, we were sitting down for, for coffee, and we were talking, and he started to share his story, 
right? And, and Yosef grew up in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. And he spent his whole life there. And, and his mother, she was a prostitute. And so he grew up with a, with a mom who was a prostitute, and consequently he never knew his father. And he never knew his dad. And, and around the age of 10, uh, Yosef's mom passed away from AIDS. She got AIDS and, and she died, right? And so now at the age of 10, Yosef is an orphan, right? He, he's all alone, and he has no family members to take care of him, and he ends up living on the streets for the next three years or so, right? No, no home, doing whatever it took to survive. And, and during that time, along came an organization called Christian Children's Fund, which is now called Child Fund International, right? and they, they took him in, and they gave him a case number 485, and once he got his case number 485, he was able to be sponsored. So this man in Pennsylvania begins to sponsor him. Uh, a man who has never met Yosef, still hasn't met Yosef. He doesn't know the impact that he had on Yosef's life. But he gave in love and he gave generously because that's what he was supposed to do, right? And so because Yosef had this sponsor, he now had food. He now had shelter. He now had an opportunity to go to school. Right, there's hope again in Yosef's life. And, and through the interactions with this man sponsoring him and the, the people who worked at CCF, Yosef came to know Jesus. Right, he, he couldn't help but associate the rescue that had occurred in his own life with the rescue that, that Jesus offers too. And it was then at that, that young age that he decided to follow Jesus for the rest of his life. And so Yosef, with this education... Right, he goes on to college. He, he studies marketing, and then he comes out of college. And with all of that schooling, right, he had an opportunity to learn a valuable amount of English, right, which led him to be our translator. So he, he learns all this English, and he becomes our translator. And so, yes, Yosef works and makes a living at the guest home as a translator. But there, there's more to Yosef than that. Right? Yosef is now, he's 29, Right, and, he, and he's married, and he has a four-year-old son. And not only does he work at the guest home, but he spends every day, the, the, the free time that he has, working with and interacting with those kids who are on the very same streets he survived. Right, we had a chance to go play soccer with him in one of the ministries that he does with, with these kids, and we got to experience what he's doing, providing them with, with food, with clothing, with something that's meaningful. Right? He, he takes them to lunch, and he tells them his story. Right, and he shares with them. Right, and so Yosef now has a passion right, to, to start his own ministry that he would call Case 485. Right, after his case number, where that he would just minister to these children on the streets of Addis. That that would become his life. And, and on top of that, Yosef also has a dream of becoming a pastor of a church in Addis as well. Right, and, and Yosef's story... Right, it is a culmination of him being loved by so many different people. Right, I could say so many amazing things about him just that we experienced as he worked alongside of us. Right, I could talk about him forever, but the thing is when you, when you hear a story like that, right, you realize what the love of Jesus will do to someone and what the love of Jesus manifested in other people will do for those people as well. And Joseph's life is a testament to that. Right, and so we hear that story, and it's amazing. And you're like, that's awesome, right? Child sponsorship worked in his life, and, and he came to know Jesus, and he's doing great things. 
But what, what about us, right? The, the whole let's love other people as Jesus has loved us can be a bit overwhelming for us, right? It's a little bit of a challenge. Sometimes we don't know where to start or how to get to the next step, right? We think, uh, well, maybe we don't have anything of worth to offer, right? Maybe we're not as gifted or skilled as this person or that person, and so we hold back, right? Maybe we just make excuses, and we only love those people who are easy to love or are comfortable for us to love, and we don't take that first step, right? We don't move forward with that. So how do we begin to love like Jesus, right? Fortunately for us, Jesus has something to say on this, right? He, he gives us a starting point, a place to, to launch our love from, and he asserts that, that loving him is actually a commandment, right? And for those of us who claim to follow him, it's something that, that's required of us, right? It, someone was asking Jesus, what's the most important thing? Like, what's the most important commandment? And in Mark 12, 30 through 31, he, he tells them what the most important commandment is. You can follow along on the screen or in your notes, your Bible says this. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. We've probably heard that before, but the the epitome of the greatest commandment is to love. It's an action. It's something you have to do. Love based on self-sacrifice. Love God and love other people. Right? Suffice it to say, we probably need to become great at the greatest commandment. Right? That's something that, that we need to strive for. And again, you might be thinking, that does sound great, Chris. But now what? Right? Fortunately, I've come up with a few things that I think will help us. Right? So, some answers to these questions. Not the answers, necessarily, but answers that have helped me take the next step in living out the great commandment. And and as I move us through these steps, I want you to keep this in mind. Jesus loves us just the way we are. But that doesn't mean that Jesus loves where we are. He loves us just the way we are. Take hope in that, right? But that doesn't mean that he loves where we are. So think about what is your next step? Where are you moving from here? Because it's different for every one of us. Right, and so let's focus then today on moving closer to the heart of Jesus, right? Jesus says we've got to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? We've got to love him with everything in us, all of our being, right? And I don't think that we can begin to love God with everything we have until we understand and grasp who he is, right? We we can't begin to, to live like Jesus until we understand and learn how Jesus lived, And there's one place that we find that out, and that's in the Word of God, right? That 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 has to be part of this. Just so you know, whenever I do this, this is actually my Bible. I'm not the table, right? Read the Bible. That's what I'm saying. Uh, I realized I was doing that the last two services, and it's actually here. It's just bigger on my notes page, the reading. So, Bible. Okay. Anyway, right, we we need to read the Bible. And so that's the challenge, I think, for us. And it's been said, you may have heard this, right, that that many Christians in America lack depth in God's word. Now, I I would say this is probably true for some people, but I wouldn't say that this is the overarching problem, 
I'd argue that the problem isn't going deeper into God's word, but the problem is instead being active in God's word. Right? Because we all know a lot that we don't use. Right? And so the, the word of God wasn't just meant to fill our heads, right? It was meant to fill our hearts and then move to our hands and move to our feet. It was meant to be active. It was meant to embody action. And that's what we're going to talk about, right? Hebrews 4.12, it tells us that God's word is living and powerful. The word of God is alive and it's active, right? It doesn't sit dormant. Right? The word of God might sit dormant on your, your bedside or on, on your shelf, right? But it's alive and it's active. A pastor in Charlotte named Stephen Furtick, he says this, He says the Bible was never meant to simply be a source of passive theological epiphanies that we gain as we delve deeper into it. He says it was meant to be a force that penetrates and delves deep into us and activates action. And isn't that what loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength is about? Actively loving him with every fiber of our being? Right? And, and if we find that isn't the natural progression to then love others as ourselves, isn't that what the love of Jesus is all about? Stephen Furtick goes on to say, let's remember that the point of studying the Bible is not to learn something you've never heard of before, but to begin living in a way nobody has seen before. Right? And this can only be the result of active engagement in God's word not merely increased depth in God's word. You see, in order to fill out this great commandment, to be great at the great commandment, we have to know who it is we're loving and why we love him. And that can't just be accomplished by coming here on a Sunday morning. I'm glad you're here, and please keep coming back, right? But that that can't be accomplished with just that. Where we have to, to make God's word a priority. We have to build the foundation of our life on what God has to say. Right? And again, fortunately for us, I have a plan for that as well. Right? So, so what, what we've done is we've created a reading plan that will lead us through the New Testament this summer. It's something that I'm doing with our middle school and high school students that are, that are part of our group. And I figured, hey, why not invite the whole church to join us in this? Right, what we're doing is we're, we're calling it New Through 90. And, and it's reading through the New Testament during the 90 days of summer. Right? Too bad for you guys. You're two weeks behind and you're going to have to read some in the fall. But that'll be okay. We'll get through that. Right? And so, so the idea is that we, that we make God's word a priority in our lives. And you can get this reading plan. Right? It's, it's online. Journeyweb.net slash reading plan. If you don't have access to the internet or a computer or a printer, that kind of thing, there are some reading plans out on the info table as well that you can grab on your way out. But one thing that it it says on there is something that I was trying to encourage our students with, and it says this. It would take 15 minutes for the average person to read through the New Testament in 90 days. I would say all of you are above average, by the way. it takes 15 minutes, right? And the, the average person also watches four hours of TV a day. So over a 90-day span, that would be 7.5 times more time than we would need to read through the New Testament. Right? The average person would watch 360 hours of TV 
in a 90-day span. So if you set aside time to actually read this each day, you would still get to watch 312 hours of TV this summer. All right? Keep that in mind. That's how I'm, that's how I'm trying to convince our middle school and high school students. You still watch TV 312 hours, right? And so the challenge is that, that let's together begin to understand and seek out to understand what it means to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let's do that together. Right? A, a pastor named David Platt says it this, and I agree wholeheartedly with him. He says, when we see a biblical picture of Jesus, we realize that the greatness of who he is demands the surrender of all we are and have. But we've got to see the biblical picture of who Jesus is. Let's truly understand what Jesus was all about and how he lived. Right? And, and my hope is that as we move forward with that, that we begin to live with, with love-inspired action. Right? That it becomes a part of us. And as we embark on this journey of loving God with everything we have and loving others with that same love, I pray that our lives would begin to resemble action. Right? And, and some of the words in Isaiah 58, resound with me on that that level. This idea that in response to God loving us, this is what our action looks like. Now in, in these next four verses, God is talking to people who were just going through the motions. Right? They were just doing it for no reason at all, really, right? And and God didn't call us to go through the motions, right? Jesus didn't die on a cross so that we could go through the motions. Right, we're called to be an expression of God's love. And Isaiah 58, 6 through 10 paints a beautiful picture of that. It says, God talking, he says, No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer, Yes, I am here, he will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as the noon. Right, the entire great commandment is about active love. Love that actually looks like something. Right, and in order to do that, well, we've got to start looking at what Jesus is really saying. Right, but, but where do we start, right? Like, it's again, it, I don't know what to do. And it, it's simple, really. You read this, the word of God, and then you obey it. Right? You read it and you obey it. 1 John 2, 5-6 through 6 says it better than I can. Again, right in, this is what it says. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. Right? Obedience and love match up. Right? That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Right? And that requires surrendering ourselves to the cause of Jesus. 
Right? And as we surrender our life to the cause of Jesus, and as we begin to actually obey what it says in here, right, then, then we can begin to serve and get involved in God's work. We can do that around Journey where there's plenty of opportunities. You can begin to serve and get involved in our community, right, again, where opportunities abound. You can begin to do things like inviting your neighbor over for dinner, a hard one for me, right? You can begin by making relationships a priority. You can sponsor a child in the same way that Yosef was sponsored, right? Because that actually works. It actually changes lives. You can begin to maybe create a budget so that you can see what you're, what's coming into you and you can give as you've been given to. Right? Because essentially, we've got to give our time, ourselves, our comfort, our money in order to be Love in action. And in all these cases, right, I, I challenge you to be generous. Do it all generously because I honestly believe that generous people live more meaningful lives. Generous people live more meaningful lives. And in, and in reference to generosity, one of my favorite verses is in Isaiah 32, 8. And it says this. But generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. Generous people plan to do what is generous, and then they stand firm in that generosity. So I say let's start planning. Right, let's start planning what we're going to do, and then let's stand firm in that. Let's allow our love for God to be active through our generosity. Right, let, let's begin to love in such a way that people look at our lives and see a life that's never been lived that way before. Right, according to that. Right, let, let's, let's begin to obey God and love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let's obey God and love others with that same love. Right, because it's not just about going to church on the weekend. It's not just about saying we're Christians Right? Instead, let's actually let our love show with such action and passion that each person we see, we can say we're loving them as if they were Jesus himself. Imagine what that would look like if we love people that much. Right? And so living with this self-sacrificial love right, that we started talking about last week, it's not about Jesus stripping our lives of pleasure and the things that make us happy right? Instead, it's Jesus knowing what's best for us, right? It's Jesus knowing that the foundation of our lives should rest in that love. And we begin to understand that the great commandment, being great at the great commandment, not only blesses other people, but it blesses our lives as well. That's when we feel most alive. And so I ask the question, what are we waiting for? Right? What are we waiting for to live this out. Let's give away all of our love, right, so that we might realize that by sacrificing all that we are, we end up gaining more than we could ever imagine, right, because love is still the answer. It's always the answer, and it leads me to the last question I want to leave you with, and that's what is Jesus worth to you? What is Jesus worth to you? Because when we leave here this morning, Whatever our next step becomes is our answer to that question. 
Whatever we think God's saying is your next step, that becomes your answer to how much is Jesus worth to you. Right? And my hope is that, that we, as a church community, we can move closer to the heart of Jesus together. That we can start taking next steps together. So think about that. What is Jesus worth to you? And as you're thinking about that, could you just go ahead and, and put your things aside for a moment? Maybe find a, a posture of prayer. Bow your head. Close your eyes. And spend some time talking with God. Talk to God about how much you love him. Talk to God about how you might need help loving him. Be honest about what that looks like. Use this time with him now. talking to God, I just want to close us in prayer. God, we, we love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that you sent him to die for us. God, I just pray that, that we would remember that the solution to every problem, every challenge, every hardship in our life is you, Jesus. And that solution is in spending time with you and getting to know who you are and what you're about, God. And I just pray that all of us here would make your word a priority in our life. I pray that you would use it to spread to all the areas of our life. God, spread to our discouragement and our sins, spread to our future and our hopes and our dreams. God, I pray that your word would spread into all the areas of our lives as it's been spreading across the world for the last 2,000 years, God. I just pray that, that we would truly get around the great commandment, God. I pray that we would become great at loving you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that we would become great at loving our neighbors as ourselves, our neighbors here in Bozeman, Montana, our neighbors across the ocean, wherever they might be, God. I pray that our lives would be about active love. It would be about sacrificial love, Jesus. Use us to impact your kingdom. Use us to impact our community. We love you and we just pray that our lives would show that. In your name we pray. Amen.